0: I'm Denisha Simpson,
1: and I'm Joy McGowan, and And we we are are the the co-hosts to the the Resilient Black Women Women podcast.
0: Podcast. Our podcast is all about demystifying mental health for black women, women of color, and women everywhere.
1: You can learn more about our work with our nonprofit and our podcast by visiting resilientblackwomen.org.
0: You can also listen to our podcast at KUAF.com or subscribe to our podcast on any streaming platform. My personal definition of imposter syndrome is that gnawing feeling of self-doubt and incompetence along with the feeling of being exposed as a fraud. Now the Merriam-Webster definition is a psychological condition that is characterized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud despite evidence of one's ongoing success. listeners. Today's episode is all about these definitions of imposter syndrome. When have you guys seen it show up in your life? And Joy and I will share a bit about us and how imposter syndrome has shown up in our lives. Warning, in this episode, we will deal with issues of depression and suicidal ideation. If you need help, please get help. Our show notes will have a host of helpful resources for you. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. Hey D, it's
1: so good to be just us once again on the podcast talking a little bit about imposter syndrome. And everybody to be real, real honest <laughs> and very, what is it? Um, I can't find the right word, Denisha. <laughs> but that's that's transparent. Transparent. Yes. See, this is why we're talking about imposter syndrome. <laughs> To be a hundred percent transparent, y'all. We have recorded this episode so many times because of our open posting <laughs> Right with this episode and with making sure we feel like we're producing good quality <laughs> for you guys. And so I am laughing, mm-hmm. but only because we want we want to be transparent, as D was saying, we want to be transparent about imposter syndrome and how it hits us and how it shows up in our lives and hopefully just to make our listeners just feel more validated if it's showing up in your life too okay let's go ahead and do the check-in um i'm wondering just how is your body feeling right now Dee? so um
0: i'm feeling some relief come up in my body that okay now we are finally recording this again And um, I feel like it's going to be our last time that we need to do it. So that feels pretty good. What about for you? What's coming up in your body?
1: Yes, I was just feeling like, okay, I I want to record this episode because I know that it's really important for us and for Black women to hear other Black women talk about this issue. But then also just trying to check my own, my own imposter syndrome with the episode, like even now, you know, of like, this doesn't, this doesn't have to be perfect Um, we just want the content to be good and we want it Mm -hmm. to be authentic and I think that is if we had a signature move (laughs) with our podcast it's authenticity and so I don't know I'm just feeling that tension in my body of like Mm -hmm. be authentic don't be perfect Joy just be authentic
0: Mm. yeah that makes perfect sense and even the irony of this episode, if it's not one of our best, then it makes sense, right?
1: <laughs>
0: Listen,
1: <laughs> it makes so much sense of, like, where we are right now. Yes. Um, so, yeah, um, I loved your personal definition of imposter syndrome. When you said the part about being a fraud, I was like, ooh, like, that's it. Just, I guess for me, it's like a fraud feeling like I don't belong, feeling like I'll be like found out, um, that mm-hmm. people will figure out. Like I'm not as good as whoever it is. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that's I don't know. I really appreciated your definition. I know that you read the Miriam Webster definition afterwards, but like your definition, mm-hmm. oh okay, yes. 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 That's, those are the words.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to throw in like that. What comes up for me in my body, right? Just like that gnawing feeling of, yeah, this isn't right. I'm not supposed to be here. Um, just trying to find that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think that as I was just kind of processing through it for myself and thinking through perfectionism, and I, I think that sometimes impartial syndrome tends to be connected to this sense sort of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Having to have things perfect and uh, all together all of the time. And oftentimes what I tell my clients is like the trick of perfectionism is that it always moves the line. It always says, Mm -hmm. okay, but if you just lost 10 more pounds, you'll be okay. Well, now if you just toned up your abs, you would be better. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. I know you had that weight loss surgery. And now if you just like got rid of all this extra skin, like then you you would be it. You would just be so good. You would look so good. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I often have to like check my own sense of imposter syndrome, my own sense of perfectionism, because Mm -hmm. it is not that I have to keep going to the line that keeps like extending itself just a little bit further, just a little bit. But I have to be able to like accept where I am and what I have, mm. and what I'm capable of right now in this moment. Mm. But perfectionism will always say it's never enough. No matter what I right. do, what I say it's never enough.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. So what you're saying is like the acceptance piece. I think that that's huge, like accepting where I am right now in this moment, because if I'm always working towards something, once I get there, that goalpost is going to move again. It's always going to keep moving.
1: Yeah, yeah. It always feels like it's moving, and then and then it makes me wonder if like how closely um, imposter syndrome is connected to depression, because mm. oftentimes imposter syndrome feels like this highly self-critical part of myself, um, mm-hmm. self-loathing. Um, and then and then just like always thinking negatively about self, regardless of mm-hmm. what has been accomplished. I think that was part of either your definition or the Marion webster definition, right? Like regardless mm-hmm. of what you've actually done, it's like right. your brain is just stuck
0: mm-hmm. in this
1: place. And to me, I'm like, dang, like that does sound a lot more like just like depression. Like I'm just carrying this negative cloud with me everywhere I go.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm just stuck in the cycle. And no matter how hard I try or what I do, I can't get out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, and it makes me think a little bit about, you know, attachment and our need for safety and our need for connection. And what you kind of said, perfectionism gets us in this cycle. And how do we get out of the cycle? And I think Part of getting out of that cycle is reaching out for some healthy attachment and some healthy connection mm-hmm. and thinking mm-hmm. like, like who are not just the people, but like the places and in particular things that can make me feel safe enough in who I am mm-hmm. so that I can feel confident to like step out and do something and do whatever the thing right. is that I know that I need to do. Um, right. Right. So I think, like, for me, I'm trying to think personal examples for myself. For me, um, I was getting really, so I recently uh, left my group practice, left the group practice to go work, solo, pra- private practice. And before doing that, I remember being really, really scared about doing yeah. that. I remember just, like, feeling stuck. Yes. And um, I don't know how other people have fear turns up for other people. But for me, when fear turns up for me, it is like, I become immobile and I may mm-hmm. know exactly what I need to do, but I just, I just don't do, I don't do right, it. You freeze. I freeze, right? Mm-hmm. That's that fight, fight or freeze trauma response. Like I just freeze. And I remember being frozen. I think I reached out to you and a bunch of other people and I was just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm really scared. <laughs> I'm really tired. Yeah. And y'all, I got a bunch of stuff I need to do and I'm mm-hmm. not doing anything and I could just like see the time just moving but I was mm-hmm. just frozen and it and it was really cool because everybody just texted me back and was like hey you got this
0: mm-hmm.
1: right you could do it even if you are afraid and like it was mm-hmm. just so so encouraging like from the people in my life right and and, and then people were like what do you need how can I help? Right. You? what how, how can I, I can do this I can help you with this mm-hmm. I can help you over here I can help you think about this and and so just thinking like for me in, in that moment, the fear caused me to reach mm-hmm. out to my healthy attachment of people who right. encouraged me and allowed me to like get some movement. Mm.
0: But then I also- I love- to... mm-hmm. Go ahead, deep. Well, I want—I just love what you're saying. And what's coming up for me is that Maya Angelo quote, and I can't think of it verbatim off the top of my head, but I know she says something about- um, feeling at home, finding yourself and feeling the most comfort at home. And so part of that for me is like feeling at home is not solely dependent on those external circumstances, but I have to go to that external state, right? Um, of my mind, my emotions, and my connections with others. So what you did was you owned your own story. Like this is, I have this long list. I'm going through this big transition this big life transition this big career transition and i'm scared i'm terrified so in order to do that you had to own that part of you right and then you reached out and connected with others and so for me that quote that's what that is about is like i have to own my own story and find that sense of belonging with myself first and then i can reach out to others Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The latest edition of The R Word, a podcast that explores reparations role in racial, social, and economic justice, features an interview with Propaganda about his art and the impact that songs like Playing With Fire and What Do You Know About Grace have had on us. Tweeted about it. Don't be so come from eastern side of Los Angeles, pretty ethnically diverse as far as like predominantly Mexican and, and uh, Filipino. So I kind of grew up in a pretty kind of tri-cultural space, you know, during some of the bigger movements in L.A. around hip hop, uh, skate, skateboarding, all that. So it's really, really cool, really cool time to be alive. The R Word Podcast, available now at KUAF.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the podcast, y'all.
1: No, I think that's exactly it, right? Like, Because because it had to take something in me to be vulnerable enough, even with the people. Yes, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you're right, that that whole quote by Dr. Maya Angelou of finding home within mm-hmm. means that you find some kind of confidence just to share mm-hmm. with the people that you know you already trust. Like right. even, I think that's, that's the, that's the crazy thing about a process syndrome. It'll have you like double guessing or second guessing the, the people that you know, who've already been there. For right. You. Right. Yes. Yes. That's so true. And it's like, um, like people have seen so many different versions of me. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what is this version of like scared joy going to do? Like, it's not going to push them away from me, but like, but like, right. get that the people you already have in your life Mm -hmm. have probably shown up for you so many times in the past. Mm -hmm. But fear, fear can just really,
0: it will keep you stuck. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I feel like also too, what comes up for me with imposter syndrome are the good reasons. Like you said, the fear, it will freeze you. And so I think when you do research on imposter syndrome, you hear a lot about going in and reflecting and it has to be me. There has to be a problem with me. There has to be something with me, like my self-confidence or, you know, my self-compassion. But I also feel like there's the other side of imposter syndrome where it's very valid where there's a woman working in a male dominated attorney's office and she may have even been verbally told that she's not good enough or that she needs to work harder. And so that's very valid if she's getting that sense of, I don't belong here or everything that I do is not good enough. So I just wanna make space for that side that like, yes, it's good to reflect and own our own stories, But then there are times where there are those external factors that come up, and it makes perfect sense why we are sitting there feeling like a fraud.
1: I mean, it even makes me think about the systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Um, Because just like you brought that issue up of of sexism, right, of how Mm -hmm. women are tend to be treated in professional spaces. The same thing happens with especially Black women, women of color and, mm-hmm. in spaces of majority culture, white culture, which which is everywhere. Oh. Um, and the times that I've had to like work with my clients on saying, no, you're not crazy. That is just a... I will use the words of Dr. Kenneth Harding and not my own. Dr. Kenneth Harding has a book where he talks about the enduring, invisible, um, and ambitious centrality of whiteness. The Dr. Kenneth Harding, he, is, he has a PhD and he is a um, psychologist and he's a Black man and he talks a lot about the perversity pervasiveness of systemic racism Mm -hmm. Um, and he says this is just a quote from his book whiteness is a pervasive ideology that is rarely overtly identified or examined despite its profound effects on race relationships being intentional about naming deconstructing and dismantling whiteness is the precursor to responding effectively to the racial reckoning of our society and improving race relationships addressing systemic bias and moving towards the creation of a more racially just world. Mm -hmm. And I have had to have these types of conversations with my clients over Mm -hmm. and over again, just like reminding them like, yo, you're not crazy. You are bumping up against a system that was Mm -hmm. not created for you to be successful. So when you go Mm -hmm. to work in your white predominantly field, that only had white people in that field from the beginning and typically use black bodies as the research, <laughs> Like, and you feel like you're anxious and overwhelmed and you're always second guessing yourself and you're always double checking your research. Like, You're not crazy. The system is literally causing the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I hate that that's the system. I hate that that's part of our story. Right, mm-hmm. like there's nothing we did <laughs> to like make ourselves feel racial injustice, racial inequality. Right, right. But we born black. That's if I did that, that that is that is my only fault. <laughs> right, yeah. And I am female mm-hmm. in a white world where I don't have the power. I mean, even being in solo private practice, like I have more power, so to speak, because like I mm-hmm. own it; it's mine. Um, but I don't have a building that I rent out of
0: <laughs> like mm-hmm. right like I'm yeah. still I don't know it's still know. part of the system I'm still part of the system yes yeah. of that,
1: I'm part of a like, the clinical field which ain't black either right yeah <laughs> the mm-hmm. people, people, like there's not a lot of us in this field right. and I mean I don't know you probably get the same thing right of having to refer black people well, mm-hmm. because my schedule my schedule just doesn't align with this person and so I'm like right what am I going to do if I'm going to just like completely keep changing my schedule just so I can keep showing up for all the black people that yes. I want to be their therapist I'm like well that's not healthy for me either and so exactly like, hey I know another black woman therapist and she works mm-hmm. Saturday mornings let me give you her email address like that brings me so much joy now because before I would have just been like oh it's just one client I'll just see them on Saturday and...
0: Right, yes.
1: Like, one client, maybe they only need to come like once or twice a month. So then now that's only like mm. one, or two Saturdays. And you and I both know that is a recipe for disaster.
0: It is, yes, yeah. Because once you do it for one, you continue. Like, it just doesn't stop with that right. one, right? And I'll be like, well,
1: okay, now it's just, and now i are only seeing like two clients on Saturday. It's not a big deal. Right. It's not a big, it's only two hours. I still get the rest mm-hmm. of my Saturday. Yes. So it's just, I don't know, like this whole, like, I think you're right. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. The imposter syndrome is not just the personal ways that we doubt ourselves, but the ways mm-hmm. that, that society right? has yes. doubted us and mm-hmm. how people continue, like people in society continue to doubt us, even if right? we are the experts and we are the professional in the room.
0: Mm-hmm. Not, yeah.
1: We're not making this up. This
0: is, this no. <laughs> is real. No. Because society gets to judge what is deemed as professional, right? Like even with hairstyles, the way you dress, the dialect, anything. Um, Yeah, so this is real and it's valid. Mm -hmm. So Joy, like what would you even suggest in like, okay, if our listeners are listening to this and something's coming up for them and they're like, yeah, it makes perfect sense why I would be feeling this way, working in this corporate office, and I'm the minority and I'm, I'm the only one. Um, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah, so I recently did a training on suicidal assessment for Black oh. women for um, professionals for for clinicians who are um, who, who wanted to learn healthier ways, but and uh, more ways. Uh, to assess for suicidal ideation in their black female clients and from my research from there i feel like i learned so much about how often black women black girls are struggling with thoughts of suicide or have have completed mm. suicide like the research said that like black girls and black women have increased their attempts of suicide since 2020 mm which Mm -hmm. the research indicates is because of covid which there were racial disparities in covid who got covid Mm -hmm. who died from covid um and then also we know 2020 was the huge um black lives matter all these black and brown bodies being murdered or Uh lynched in the streets by police right emphasis on the word lynched. uh modern day lynching um and so I think that Black women are tired. I think we are tired and we are still scared. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when, for anyone, when suicide becomes an option, it just shows me that they are exhausted and they have exhausted every other avenue Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and have came up empty. So the research would say that When, as a clinician, if I'm trying to assess my client about whether or not they are really suicidal and have the means to commit, I need to think about reciprocity. Mm -hmm. If they have relationships that um, are reciprocal for them, that Mm -hmm. where they give, they get back just as much. Mm -hmm. And from the research, Black women would often say they don't. They mm. don't have reciprocal relationships where they feel like they show up at 100 and the other person, other people mm-hmm. show up also at 100. And so that's a red flag when working with Black women who typically feel like I gotta be strong and I gotta hold everybody down. Mm-hmm. Um, so so when, when you ask that question, like what do you do with that? How do I um, try to help people um, who may be struggling with like imposter syndrome? And I mean, y'all, I'm making a really big leap, right? To say that. For some people, imposter syndrome may just sit as imposter syndrome. Like, I'm struggling, I may be having some anxiety, some anxious feelings, or thoughts about my capabilities, but maybe it just stays there. So, I am making a jump to say that, like, man, if this persists, then maybe this leads to depression. And then maybe that depression mm-hmm. leads to some suicidal thoughts, maybe some suicidal or non suicidal self harming behavior. And then what we know what will eventually lead to a suicidal attempt is that one of the reasons, one of the factors is just not having reciprocal relationships, Mm -hmm. not having relationships where people are pouring back into you. Another thing that came up in the research for, particularly for Black women, were just like these thoughts, like um, this doesn't do it justice for me to say negative thoughts, but it was Mm -hmm. this ongoing feeling of being a failure, um, Mm -hmm. not being enough um not being able to live up to either our own or other people's expectations um again so again that that is why i made that connection of like "Mm, this sounds like imposter syndrome this sounds like that failure not enoughness um perfectionism moving the line all that type of stuff Mm -hmm. um and then the last big point of whether or not someone will be suicidal is um, helping them figure out what do they have the means? Do they actually have the means to commit? Um, Do they own a gun? Have they witnessed someone commit suicide in the past? Do they have other family members in in the past who have done this, has chose this as an option? Do they no longer have like a fear of death? Um, And not just like the death itself, but the act of dying. Like, I'm not even worried about the pain that could be caused by dying because I think that pain would be doable in the pain that I'm experiencing mm-hmm. right now and so when I think about trying to help myself or help clients with imposter syndrome or anything else I'm looking to make sure that they feel like they have a sense of tribe connection with someone mm-hmm. something outside of themselves right which is I always say this here right people places and things and I and I say things mm-hmm. like something like yoga, something like cooking, something like exercising, like healthy relationships with those things, because I think black, white or other, we probably all have had some negative experiences with like food, exercise, our bodies, right? But like the research will say that like um, a healthy life, a healthy eating life, a healthy like um, movement in your life um, could be really supportive to your mental health. And so how do I help my clients like redefine what exercise or even what religion and spirituality gets to be for them? Because there can be big T, small T traumas and all the things that therapy would say, these things are healthy and good for you. And so right, we are constantly having to help our clients redefine what those attachments could be to the things Mm -hmm. that really are good for us. Um, but if they have the power to redefine that for themselves, for their own families, for their own children, even mm-hmm. if they may have had some trauma for them personally growing up or in their early adulthood. Um, so I don't know. I, I I don't know. I hope that like, and I feel like we try to say this all the time, Denisha, when we come to like resilient Black women, that we're not resilient because we are alone and we're strong, but we are resilient because we are together. We are yes. with. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I said so much. What, what do you think? What do you take away?
0: No. Yeah. I love that. So basically what you're saying is, again, what we always say is find your tribe, find your thing, find your place, find something. So don't just sit in it alone, right? Take it somewhere. Because when you are sitting in it alone, that those types of things that can, is what leads to clinical depression. And clinical depression can lead to suicidal ideation. And so it's just this vicious cycle. And so what I'm hearing you say, Joy, is basically one of the ways to try to step out of that vicious cycle is connect with others, take it somewhere, don't sit in it alone.
1: Yeah. And, then, I mean, and you, you mentioned this earlier, that piece about compassion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-compassion. And part of self-compassion, I feel like a big piece of self-compassion is I have to honor and validate my own story. So if I'm feeling frozen, like I can't move out of fear, or if I'm feeling like I'm a fraud, then I have to own that. And I have to be okay with right now in this moment, this is how I feel. And rather than having shame about feeling that, kind of validating and making good reasons of why I feel that.
1: Yeah. And y'all, I hope that our listeners don't feel like we sound like a broken wagger because we always talk about self-compassion, but like the research says just how important it is Uh have compassion for self versus Uh criticism for self. Um, I was in a training for for counselors and the, the trainer said That research says that nobody changes because of criticism, but that we change Mm -hmm. because of compassion. And so I try so, so hard to be really like gentle and compassionate with myself when Mm -hmm. I do get stuck. And and the phrase I end up telling my clients is like, you can be scared, but don't stay stuck. You can be scared, but don't stay stuck.
0: Like Mm -hmm. reach
1: out, call somebody do something that allows you to, to work through that, that fear, work that fear through your nervous system mm-hmm. because sometimes fear can make you freeze. Sometimes fear can make you fight. Sometimes fear can make you run in the total opposite direction. Sometimes fear can make you self-sabotage. So you mm-hmm. can pray, but don't be stuck, reach out to something or someone and even if that is just like getting up and moving your body, literally shaking your body, <laughs> dancing it mm-hmm. out, like, move that energy through your body. Don't get stuck and offer your body some compassion, right? Like Denisha was saying that, you know, the spirit has really good reasons for showing up. Mm-hmm. It, like I literally thank my body for the fear. And I tell my clients to thank their body for, the, <laughs> hey, this, this fear is a signal. Something this this is really scary. This is exactly mm-hmm. what if your brain was designed to keep you safe from emotional and physical pain, of course, your body's going to send out all types of stuff when when you're getting ready to do something for the first time or when you're bucking up a system that wasn't right. created for you to succeed. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: Denisha, what are your final comments to the audience about self-compassion and pasta syndrome and dealing with that? What are your final words?
0: Um, there's a term coined by a psychologist. Was it um, Clayton Bardew, Bardot? um, stop shitting on yourself. Um, and so I often tell my clients that like, let's not shit on ourselves, right? Like, let's not tell ourselves we shouldn't be feeling this way we shouldn't be doing these things. I'm just really um, big on honoring those things in order to work through them um, rather than running away from them or shaming them um, because they don't go anywhere, right? And so working with my body by honoring the good reasons that I have for feeling imposter syndrome helps me work through it a lot quicker than if I tell myself I shouldn't be feeling that way.
1: Um, I love that so much. That's so great <laughs> Don't shit on yourselves. Yes, like, period. That's it. That's that's the only thing we need to say. Right. <laughs> so good. That is so, so so good. Um, yeah, I love that. I don't, I don't feel like I've anything to add to that because I think that's a great way to sum up this episode. <laughs> like that's perfect. That's perfect. I love it. I don't know. So I hope that our hope our clients like learn to believe in themselves. Um and it's okay. It's okay that we have to remind yourself every time, don't shit on myself. Don't shit on myself. Like if that's the yeah. phrase you have to keep saying to you, like you say whatever you need to say. Because repetition mm-hmm. in and of itself is healing. We mm-hmm. we only learn through practice, but sometimes we are so hard on ourselves and we're like dang if i have to keep telling myself the same thing there must be something wrong with me no that's actually how you learn everything else in life you learn through practice Mm -hmm. through repetition but somehow when it comes to other stuff like outside of a sport we're like so hard on ourselves about having to like Mm -hmm. redo and but that's actually especially like your amygdala your amygdala is just part of your brain that holds like your fear your emotion Mm-hmm. yeah fight fight or fight and the more if the more we're going to help that and make the feel more safe and connected it needs repetition and so yeah there are I I have not said don't share yourself joy but <laughs> I have my own my own sayings that I say to myself when imposter syndrome shows up in my life because I don't want to be stuck um I want to try I want to reach out and even if I fail I know I got people who are like Joy, we still got you. It's okay. (laughs)
0: It's okay okay to fail. I'm Denisha Simpson. And
1: I'm Joy McGowan.
0: And you've been listening to the Resilient Black Women podcast. You can learn more about us and our work at resilientblackwomen.org.
1: And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend or two. Tell us what you think. We love reading reflections from our
0: listeners. We hope you join us again. Bye, y'all.